City Talk 105.9. Now, it's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson. Everything and anything football, it's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. Caution, bollards in motion. This is all in the game. Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey. The microphone's moving all over the place. Um, Davey Downey is what you could be christened today. We're going to talk Davey Moyes. Just I don't Moyes. want my name anymore. Davey Moyes. Just Moyes. We're going to talk Davey Moyes. We're going to talk Davey Proven. Uh, we're going to talk Dave, with Davey Downey. Uh, and this is the way in which it goes on all in the game tonight. We're also going to talk about foul throws. We're going to talk about how Stephen Gerrard is like the Greek hero Achilles. And we are going to talk about Liverpool's victory against against Sunderland and Everton's forthcoming game against Newcastle. It's what you call a packed show, Dave. It is e. a pack, yeah, Davey, yeah. It is a, it is a packed show. But uh, uh, the amount of people who have disgraced my name this weekend is just getting beyond the joke. Are you upset? I might be going for a deep poll vote on... Uh, I, I want the listeners to tell me what I should be called. What, what, That's a dangerous ploy, but... It's a very dangerous ploy, but you can tweet uh, You can tweet at CityTalk1059 uh, in order to tell Davey Downey what he should be called now. Davey Downey. Uh, what's going on there, then? So, I, I mean, the order we do this in, I think you want to talk about Davey Moyes first. Let's say this. Uh, Liverpool are six points clear of Davey Moyes' Manchester United. Uh, if Everton win tonight, they go five points clear of Davey Moyes' Manchester United. Um, if Newcastle win Tonight, Davy Moyes is Manchester United are in thirteenth place, and Davy Moyes is Manchester United have lost three games already. Um, you've got to be happy, haven't you, Davy? Absolutely delighted, and, and and it makes me more delighted the fact that I see some of the uh, the absolute idiocracies he's coming out with lately. Um, he's hodging his face off. His latest one was about the Champions League. Did you hear yeah. that one? Five or six world class yeah, players. Absolutely. I, yeah. I just he's digging himself a deeper and deeper hole. And I did not ever think, because having interviewed him for the best part of three years as well, I did not think he could be so so naive. The wonderful thing about about the Davy Moyes situation uh, is that, that that is the hodginess of those comments. I love that one because he says five or six world you know five or six world class players. You look at Barcelona, Bayern Munich, they've got them. You look at Barcelona, they used to have that. Not much has changed then. They've got Leo Messi, <laughs> Davy. Uh, then he, he's, but he's just keeping talking and he, he fills and he, Real Madrid are getting back to that now and 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 then he goes you know and and, and we've got you know we've got a, we've got several world class players here. Well, how many is five? Yeah. Well, what's several? 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 Just four? And he needs one more. It's absolutely ridiculous. But isn't this the same side that got to consecutive Champions League finals? Largely, I mean, there's no, there's no there's no real difference in those sides. Is that they play Barca consecutively? I mean, there's nothing. I mean, Ronaldo wasn't in those sides, was he? And he, was in one of them, he was in one of them, I think. No, he was in the one where did he play? Did he play Barca in three finals? Haven't yeah, he? Yeah, he was. He was in the one which was um, trying to think. It was he Rome. Was, he was doing the one that was in Rome where Messi scored the header. That was his he wasn't, last one. He wasn't, yeah. wasn't in the three-one. Right. But I think that that's you know. That, the interesting thing about this is just is it, I think that you know, the United squad you know I think Ferguson was dragging them over the finish line a little bit legs are going you're looking at Ferdinand and, and Vidic but then he's got Nodder Evans sitting there he's got you know he's, he's, he's got a Smalling there's Phil Jones who, who seemingly will never get a game at centre back ever for Manchester no. United and he's got all those options he's not using them uh, you know he, he had the window to buy people everyone acts as though you know this is this is a difficult thing to do he had that as well uh, <laughs> You know, he could have bought centre backs there if he wanted them, yeah. and I think that you know you can't. You, you, I'm worried, but you can never do the demise of Manchester United because they've just got too many good players. But it's 
interesting. I thought they were very poor against Liverpool in the League Cup. One goal from a set piece, yeah. um, and they defended manfully. But ultimately, I, well, I actually thought in that game, I thought the best two players for them were, uh, were, were Evans and uh, Raphael. Mm. At right back, I thought Raphael was excellent, but Raphael can't get in the first team ahead of Phil Jones, who's not a right back. Uh, what really gets me is he keeps on saying it every single week in his press conference that he's still getting to know players. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a ridiculous notion, given the fact that he was basically at Carrington while he was still the Everton manager. Yeah. I, I don't buy into it for one minute, and, and he just keeps coming out with these, these crazy comments to just do no favours for the man. And I, I thought he had a lot more about him than that. And it, uh, you know, if he hadn't come out what he, with what he did about Everton since he's left, you'd have had sympathy for him. I would have, but I generally I can't get enough of it. I've got to be honest. Well, the, and this is, I'm, I'm, I think that I think it's great for Evertonians. I think it's, you know, certainly if Everton can, if, if they ever get a result tonight, remain unbeaten, uh, and then you know can look down the table because. It's going to get interesting quite mm. quickly. You're looking at a league table there that is, we said it last week, it is taking shape. And United can drop out of this speedily. City, you know, no one looks good. Uh, Chelsea don't look great. Liverpool don't look great. Um, Arsenal don't don't look great. They, they, they look the best so far, but they don't look great. Um, you know, and the other side of this as well is the the comparison with Southampton. Um, the manager whose name I can never pronounce, I think it's Pochettino, um, stated this week that there's no limit to their expectations. This isn't Hodgson. This isn't Moyes. This is, we have no limit on our expectations mm. this season. Because Southampton are a very, very good football team. And Southampton could do very well indeed. You know, you, they've, they've picked the points up. They've got themselves into fourth or fifth place, and they've, they, they deserve to get to get to where they've got to. That's so refreshing to hear, isn't it? Never told oh. me. after after years, like I've said, I've, I've harped on about it so many times on here. How Moyes put that lid all the time. He put that lid on the expectation. Just, just. Well, I think now, since having seen what he's come out with in hindsight now, I think to sort of say, well, look how well I've done with this team because they're not good enough. That that seems to be the whole reason why he'd say those things in the first place. To see a manager come out and say, well, I'm, I'm not going to put a target on things. I'm not going to tell the lads that, you know, I want them to finish 17th and keep our survival in the Premier League. Let's see what we can do. Yeah. Um, it very much reminds me of, and I know he was a controversial character as a manager, but David O'Leary was always like that when he was in charge of Leeds back in the day. Yeah. When he had a team of kids. And fair play to him. They're absolutely right. And look what they did at the end. You know, they, 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 very ne- they were very nearly on the cusp of something really big at Leeds when he was in charge. And, you know, I, I, it just makes no sense to put a lid or put a cap on what your team can go and achieve. This is, this is my only frustration with Brendan Rodgers so far this season is I actually think, you know, he's... I, th- I, th- I, I think internally he won't be, but it's, it's, I think he knows enough to know that we're all mental. Uh, Liverpool supporters <laughs> and that if you start to say something like title challenge then people's heads will go everywhere uh, there'll be there'll be mania there'll be, there'll, people will be ripping the, r- ripping the clothes off it's in like the Lukaku with us at the moment isn't it yeah. but he's only there for a year yeah he's it, <laughs> really just got to try and I think that's what he thinks he thinks he needs to sort of try and keep ev- talk everybody down but as I said last week I think that you know, Liverpool need to aim for first in order to get fourth mm. uh, because that, that's the way the, the league looks if the league does turn into a genuine 3-4 horse race for the title then You'd expect if it's a four-horse race for the title, all four of those horses will finish in the top four. And that's Liverpool have got to be in that. And I think he's right to talk it down because I remember 08-09 and everyone went insane um, in terms of 
expectations and all that sort of stuff. I remember Liverpool uh, L- Liverpool getting booed uh, when a point put them top. Liverpool getting booed. Um, it's com- coming out a disappointing draw at Wigan 1-1. was disappointing, but people openly calling for the manager's head when Liverpool were in second place, two mm. points behind. Um, first caller into 6-0-6 after we won 3-2 against Portsmouth. was uh, 3-2 with a last-minute winner. was a man saying, I wish we'd lost that game because it would have taught Benitez a lesson and he should go now. You know, I think that you can't... There's no... Um, how crazy Liverpool supporters can go, uh, how much their heads can go as soon as it looks as though Liverpool are in and around a title challenge. I think he might be doing the right thing in order to talk, in talking it down. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to, to, to ride that roller coaster. And what's... I keep saying, I'm sorry, folks. What's fascinating is Liverpool are solving problems and this is what the the Sunderland game, you know, demonstrated. The three at the back is to solve a problem, uh, and it looks as though it's beginning to solve the problem in question. It solves a number of problems simultaneously. It solves problems, you know, it sets up at centre back. Uh, it solves problems from set pieces. I hope uh, it solves problems in terms of it gets Gerrard a little bit further forward and less concerned about what he's got behind him and around him. Um, it gets. Suarez and Sturridge both playing up front. Neither of them has to compromise uh, and and do a job for the team. Both work very hard for the team, but get to be be, be front men. You know, it's it's solving a great many problems in in one smooth move. So you know, on that side of things, I think it's it's impressive. The only the only question mark remains, you know, the personnel that you're putting in. Yeah, well, that that's the thing that's going to solve. You know, the issue we've spoken about so far this season, the second half syndrome, and Rogers addressed it post match yesterday. And uh, th- this is the kind of thing that's going to solve that issue. Because because you've got lads playing into position, running the socks off, not trying to occupy everybody else's position, not trying to run channels when they're not meant to do that. They're not they're not in that position to do so. You know, there's no like like you say with Gerard, you put him in a definitive role, then you get a hell of a lot more out of him. Yeah, I think that Gerard remains absolutely fascinating. Um, I am comparing him to to Achilles, who when he was asked in the underworld whether or not he'd, if he could have it all over again, he would uh, he would live he would live a quite a quiet life on a farm rather than be a glorious hero. <laughs> um, Stephen Gerard's desire to not be Roy of the Rovers is crazy. Stephen Gerrard just wants to be a decent player who does a job in centre mid uh, whereas I'd like him to be what he is which is a footballer who verges on the immortals mm. and it's very very strange. I mean I think it's partly trying to manage him. I think it, and again it's, I think it is to extend this career you know to really make sure he gets to get as much time on the pitch as possible and also you know he, he could still be doing a job for Liverpool in four years time but there are times when you know you've got Victor Moses in the position where it'd be nice to see Stephen Gerrard for half an hour, it'd be nice to have the the option of putting him there and saying to him, you, you, "You're the one in a fourth in a three-four-one-two. You're playing. You, you you metaphorically got number ten on your back. Relax and enjoy that." But he seemingly just doesn't want to do that. He'd rather be a fella who works hard for others, and it's admirable in a sense. But I don't want Stephen Gerrard carrying Victor Moses' yeah. water. I, 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 want, I want people carrying Stephen Gerrard's water because yeah. that's the that's the player I see him as. And it, but it seems as though this has been you know well and truly decided that that Stephen will you know he'll, he'll he'll go back there and he'll do he'll do these jobs for everybody else. And as I say, there's it, it against you know the image of Stephen. I think is often that he's Hollywood. I think certainly to people who don't watch Liverpool on a regular basis, he's pinging balls all over the place, and and nothing could be further from the truth. He very much just wants to do. A job for Liverpool Football Club, and as I say, as a captain, as a man, it's admirable. But I just, it's an odd situation with reference to ego. Surely you'd rather, maybe this is because I'm a terrible footballer. Surely you'd rather be the man who puts the ball in the back of the net and you know and makes the the, the killer pass and goes past somebody than be this fella who you know is is is, is whacking yeah. seven out of ten games in. But I think there's something 
amiss when people say uh, footballers with egos, certain players with egos. Obviously, you look at Ronaldo with Slap a salary. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. People like that. Surely, the natural instinct for a footballer, and it got, it, even natural in in a way of just sport, uh, you know, is to succeed and want to do as much as you can and provide the goals you want to score. Goals. I don't understand any footballer in, in any position. Probably excluding a goalkeeper, but even they probably do. Wants to score goals, wants to be the man in the team. That's what you're there to do. You're there to express yourself. But the question I wanted to ask you, going back to Gerard and in a positional sense, was: Do you think that that's the player rule and the manager there? Because I, I can't believe for one minute that Rogers doesn't see what we're seeing in terms of how, how he gets knackered, running around like a headless chicken carrying other people's water. I think he's. I, I actually. I think there's a little bit of that, but it's important to remember two things happened when Rogers first came to Anfield. Um, he bought Joe Allen. Uh, first couple of games, it was the order of midfield was Lucas, Allen, Gerrard. And, and then Lucas got injured against Manchester City, so Allen, Allen dropped in and, and did more of, the, more of the deeper stuff. And Liverpool were getting over on midfield. Uh, and there was a game against Arsenal at home, I was cited, because Suarez played up front and Gerrard played off Suarez. And between the two of them, they gave the ball away 46 times. Yeah. And I always cite this, it's a boring stat, but that, that's what it is, 46 times, which is a huge number of times to give the ball away. Uh, and simultaneously, he played Nuri Shaheen and Joe Allen deep, and they got overrun. So, he's, again, solve, I mean, the, the, the thing about Brendan Rodgers is, and I think that people are now beginning to clock this, is for ages people said, oh, he only plays one way. Whereas... I've not, never seen a manager work as hard to solve problems. Uh, no managers have, because most managers, you know, they come in with, with with quite a pragmatic way of playing and instill that and go from there. Rogers tried not to do that, and then he had all these problems, and he's been solving them. And as the, as, as another one comes up, he finds another solution. Mm. And the solution there was you pull Gerard back in. So he clearly he pays 15 million for Joe Allen, thinking he's playing Lucas, who he said as soon as he sat, as soon as he arrived, Lucas is his perfect midfielder. So he thinks he's playing Lucas, he thinks he's playing Allen, and then he thinks he's playing Gerard. And after that, getting a look at Gerard and maybe there was a conversation between the manager and the player but he did it wasn't as though Gerard just basically got Brendan Rodgers in a headlock when he walked through the door and went and playing centre mid there was three, four, five games where he played at the front of a three and now he is where he is So, and I think that the other thing as well is as part of the problem solving point that's been going on you saw it for the second goal yesterday Liverpool and I, I we'll talk about the commentary in part two but Liverpool <laughs> have been get, uh, because of the way Rodgers played at Swansea, there's still this notion that Liverpool are a side that's uh, obsessed with possession. And what Liverpool have become very much about since Coutinho and, and Sturridge have signed is the speed of the break. And Liverpool have got better and better at that and dropped off a bit at the start of the season, but then did it yesterday against Sunderland. And you saw the second goal, it comes from Gerard picking it up off Enrique and shifting play 60 yards putting it on Sturridge's toe. It's a lovely touch. Uh, and then he's got he's got John O'Shea one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and, you know, John O'Shea there was only going to be one winner in those scenarios. Yeah. You could see his, his panic. He's just trying to, he's trying for all his might to show him outside. Uh, and he shows him outside. And so he's actually anyway. already passed him when he shows him outside. Yeah. Sturridge didn't even put the burners on. He's already gone past them. Yeah. And I think that's what he wanted. He felt getting the playmaker and having him deep lying, getting him back there, getting Steven to do that back there, is something that he hasn't got anyone else who can do and if you are going to go long then having Steven Gerrard do it is better than any other player that Liverpool have got because you know his passive range is, is, is really really strong and he's better at it than you know than than, than Alan than, mm. than Lucas so Gerrard's back there and I think I think 
that that's fulfilling a function for Rodgers. So I don't think it's the player. I think the player's happier there. He's always been happier there. But I don't think it's as simple as the manager being bossed into the corner. I think that the manager's ended up with this. And the other thing was that this instilled itself last season throughout this run of games. Uh, and Gerrard got 10 goals last season. Now, I don't think that's great. It includes penalties. But he still managed to get himself mm. 10. And that's that's a decent return from someone who's playing as a deep line midfielder. It's a very good return. So I think Rodgers would... It, the, the, the eventual decision on all this, I think, is Rodgers is probably thinking, well, if he gets me 10 back there, then the lads in front of him should all be getting me 10 plus further, further ahead. Whereas if I put Jordan Henderson back there, Jordan Henderson probably gets me four. Uh, arriving onto things, you know, he's he's not Stephen. Mm. So I think that there's there's loads and loads of balances in there, and I think I just uh, it just, as I say, it just bamboozles me because I, I you I just love Stephen Gerrard being brilliant <laughs> at football and doing things like banging it in the top corner and arriving late onto things. But it's it's this this is the balance and this is the conversation. And I thought Liverpool were were. were Good in a mad game against Sunderland. Very, very weird. It was such a weird game. I, I mean, at times I, I put on Twitter, it's like watching a League One game, this, and then other times you see flashes of brilliance, yep. particularly from Sturridge. Uh, and it really looks like he'll thrive in that partnership with Suarez as well. The, the pair of them appear to, you know, there's, 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 there's a nice little understanding there, but I thought it was a, a crazy game, and that's in part because of what's got... It was all down to Sunderland, basically. Yeah. Off the basis of Sunderland, the, the, what the players had done. Um, in terms of getting effectively getting the manager sacked, then a big game at home. It's on the telly. There's you know there's forty thousand people have come to watch you. Province there. Yeah, your province there. You've got to put a show on. You've, they had to show that we're, we're genuine about this. We, you know they had to show full commitment. And you know you got you got Catamol in there in centre midfield. So I thought played very well. Uh, got right in amongst Liverpool. Uh, obviously gives stupid free kick after stupid free kick away because that's he's Lee Catamol. That's his business. But. He still played very, very well. They had them on the front foot. And I thought it was a good test for Liverpool. It was a battle. And Liverpool this season... Liverpool didn't start last season looking like they fancied a battle. And as the season grew on, that aspect of it got better. But now you look at Liverpool and, you know, it's got character. It's got big lads. But big lads who can also put themselves about. Torre, Skirtle and Sarko are all quick. They've all got a leap on them and they're all quick. It's not as simple as, you know, Carragher last season came in had a lot of character for Liverpool. But he just didn't have... The physical presence whatsoever, yeah. really. You know, he was he was effectively almost a coach on the pitch. And Aga, I think I've I get I get flack from the Liverpool <coughs> supporters because of my attitude towards Aga. But I think that there's sometimes issues around Aga's physicality. Yeah. And you fancy all of you certainly fancy Torre and Sarko to hold their own in a one-on-one with a centre forward. You know, you really you fancy them in a physical battle as a defender one-on-ones, and you think that they can do that. And Skirtles Skirtles had that in his game, yeah. and he looks comfortable in the centre of the three. And the other thing as well is any one of those three, you saw Tory having a shot. You know, coming forward and having a shot, and I think that that Liverpool got in that game and then got control of that game after two-one as Sunderland punched themselves out, and it was Liverpool's best second-half performance, I think, and there was effectively 15 minutes where nothing happened, and it had been crazy, and then there was 15 minutes where nothing happened. That's exactly what you want when you've just conceded as well, isn't Yeah, you want that... Well, they nearly nearly went up the other end and got one, and then it was a start with the events. They are tiring before our eyes, and I think it was epitomised by Catamont going off, but five minutes before then, Liverpool took control of the game. Manager sees this, makes the substitution, takes Catamont off, but the player he brings on didn't have what Catamont had, but also there's 10 other players, and they're tiring as well, because they put so much in already yeah. and I thought that Liverpool handled it really well they, they managed the game very very well you know that, 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 that collectively they, they did that, that the change was interesting in terms of dropping Sterling to right wing back yeah. and, and placing Henderson in front who I thought was poor I uh, very rarely criticised Jordan Henderson but I thought he was poor I, I think he, there's an issue around the, the 
with the three at the back, the issue is the wing backs for Liverpool because neither of them, I don't think, has quite got the quality from wide areas that you're looking for. I think Henderson's got quality, but he hasn't quite got that. You know, the ball, the ball in, the cross in, the swirling ball, the ability to 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 beat up one or two men in a, in a tight space and then and then go on. That's not his game. He wants to be in the middle, Henderson. Mm. But I thought that you know, he at least did. A, he managed to have a poor game in a manner that didn't lead to something bad happening which I think is, is, is a good skill to have as a footballer if you can pull that off so I thought they were impressive and you know they won't play a madder game than that this season Liverpool and now it's put them, put them up second in the table it's put them a distance building up a distance away from Manchester City and Manchester United both of whom are, are you, you think are going to come back strong at some point but there's, there's there's things that Liverpool are doing that now that I find really really impressive in terms of the journey that they've gone on. Well, the difference for me has been, and the very interesting thing has been that you mentioned against Sunderland, that was one of those games last season where you think, you're playing against lads who are trying to boss you physically, yeah, this is one of the games Liverpool are susceptible to lose. You look at these first half some games, there's been two matches, one against Stoke, one against Sunderland, where Liverpool have matched the physicality of the opposition. That's what's been really impressive for me from, from Rodgers. And going back to the wider issue that you mentioned a little bit earlier on, I think since Rodgers has taken over, I think he made the he, he he made his, his own bed. I think when he first came in with this possession talk and we won the pass, pass and all that stuff. Yeah, passing teams to death. We're going to he become far more pra- football. Pra- far more pragmatic as a means to an end from it all. And then what we seen yesterday, you know, that was that was Liverpool's version of mixing it up. Yeah. And this is it. This 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 now is there for them for this mm-hmm. Liverpool team. They've got that option of doing that. Sturridge helps, and I think that Sturridge, the signing of Sturridge, and the way Sturridge has carried himself, the way he's played the game since he's come to uh, to Anfield, has been remarkable. And I don't actually think he's getting quite the credit he deserves. The, the setup for the second yesterday it was Torres-esque, um, you know that that sort of the angle of the run and all that sort of stuff. But the point is, it's what he's offered Liverpool tactically. Liverpool just needed a centre forward, and it felt a bit like oh we'll just get Daniel Sturridge because he's available. But what he's he's more than Coutinho. He's completely redefined the way Liverpool can play the game because he he does have so many of the attributes you want from a centre forward. And I thought his hold of play yesterday was was terrific. I thought it was very very impressive. And I think that you know it's it shows where Liverpool are going and what they're about a little a little more. And it's not necessarily the prettiest football that we've ever played or anything like that. But it's got so much to it now. And I think that you know it's uh, I am genuinely optimistic. We'll do more optimistic talk after the break. Hi, this is David Moyes. It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson on City Talk 105.9. Gonna have to get new sweeps, Davey Downey. Yeah. Gotta be done. Uh, this is all in the game. This is Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey. Uh, we are tootling you through towards Everton versus Newcastle. We're going to be speaking to Big Al in uh, part three. Is that right, Dave? Are we, are we... Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to talk to Al. Always nice to have him on. He, he filled in on uh, Saturday at Terrace Talk. Fantastic, fantastic broadcaster that he is. Uh, what, what a trooper. Well, he is. He's coming through for City Talk all over the place. He must do 60-hour weeks minimum, I'm saying. <laughs> Across Sky, Radio City, City Talk, he does a, he does it all. He's put a stint in, like Stephen Naismith. And he's got the best tan you've ever seen. I don't know where he got the time. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll, we'll, we'll find out about the tan. Uh, we'll ask him about where he, where, which, which, which sunbed shop he goes to, yeah. where he gets his 12 minutes in, that sorts him out for the Phil week. Phil Brown's best mate, I've heard. <laughs> 
<laughs> I feel as though I feel as though we're getting told off by somebody at some point. Um, no, but that's okay. That's okay. We managed not to mention that it's a Tory Party conference. Uh, <laughs> no one's no one's discussed George Osborne yet, though the night is still young. It's uh, to talk a little more about Liverpool. We'll do we're going to do everything in part three. And I know people sometimes think City Talk can be a little swayed towards the, the red side, uh, but today it's simply because we can be very honest. Everton haven't played yet. <laughs> no, that, no, that, that, that is fair. I mean, they've earned the stripes this time. But, but God, I just I was listening to the previous hour and they had um, Joe Richards on, who's a contributor to the station. And uh, the little thing I wanted to ask you about Sturridge that they mentioned and Steve mentioned, uh, he hasn't quite endeared himself to Liverpool fans. I know you touched on it a little bit, the way you know Liverpool fans haven't really taken to the way he is. Do you think there's a particular reason for that? Is it the fact he's come from Chelsea? Is I think he, it's because he hasn't got a song. Yeah. And he's one of these fellas who's got a name that can't have a song. Yeah. Because the one thing that makes you feel as though fans are, are, are behind a player is when you can hear 5,500 away supporters bounding out a song after he's just scored. Mm. And he hasn't got a song. And it's, uh, you know, it's it's the Glenn Johnson syndrome. Jose Enrique can do something dreadful at left-back, pull it out the fire, and he gets his song sung. Off the basis of that, it's, it's, he's, got, he's got a good song and he's got a good yeah. name. Uh, Glenn Johnson does not have a song at Liverpool, whereas I think he's, you know, he's, he's generally widely held... There's one or two, but widely held to be acknowledged as an excellent player who's now been at the club for six years. You know, it's... It, but he's not got a song. So you could easily say, you know, people haven't really warmed to Glenn Johnson. I think it is in part where he's come from. It is, it is the Chelsea thing. But I don't think... I think, I think people are... There's perceptions that get that thrown on football football teams and footballers. So, for instance, I was mentioning the possession thing in part one that Liverpool supposedly, you know, they, that's what they love to do. Now they need to get better at it again, but mm. you know, it's it's just not true. And I think that there's still the, you know, there's still the idea that he can be, uh, that he can be in some way, shape, or form selfish, and all that sort of stuff. And I think that the other thing that hasn't helped him at the start of this season a little bit is he's been putting the ball in the back of the net. No one's singing his name, <laughs> but he's also he's ha- he's clearly tired. He's clearly found it grueling being the one up front and I think that you know the one thing that we still basically don't like to see our footballers do is have a bit of a breather Um ultimately that's our fault it's not theirs you know they, very very few footballers are running hard for 90 minutes and if you're a lone striker yeah. and there's no one on the bench he looks at the bench and no one's coming on for him astonishingly you know Aspas is getting pulled off on 60 and Sturridge first game of the season when he's had no pre-season and it was supposedly touch and go if he plays is, is having to put everything out there against Stoke first game of the season for 90 I think if, if you're a striker and you're doing that and People are occasionally going to go. Oh, come on. At some point, you're going to be caught out theoretically not putting enough in. But you have, it's nonsense. You've, you, you, I've seen him. He's putting everything he's got. But I think you know, as a supporter, you can be in the moment, in the heat of the moment when it's a tight game. You can be like, "What's he doing there? Come on, he's got to get moving." And I think that that's. I think that that sort of stigma has stayed with him yeah. because that's the sort of play he was thought of. But I, I, I think Liverpool supporters. You know, I think the other thing as well is there's an issue around building your own narrative for a footballer. So Torres arrives, and is fantastic, but he arrives at the start of the season. And I think if you're a forward, he arrives at the start of the season, and his goals fire Liverpool up the table. What, what happened last season was when Sturridge arrived, Liverpool were pretty much seventh. And when Sturridge scored loads of goals for Liverpool, them seventh Liverpool were pretty much seventh. And they just went in this line. Now, Liverpool improved greatly and picked up more, scored more goals and got, picked up more points than they had in the first half of the season. But because there was no journey, there was no adventure, then you didn't really, you know, I don't remember, you don't, you don't, you don't really warm to any footballer if there's no journey and there's no there's nothing to remember. So people remember Carragher 
from the second half of last season. Meanwhile, Dan stood us up, up, up front scoring 15 goals. But you remember Carragher because it was a, you know, we faded legend, came in, held them together at the back, back end of the season. And he, he had a narrative already and that, that was created for him and, and, and it falls in. And I think what sort of hurt Sturridge, but now, Sturridge has now fired the goals that have effectively put Liverpool second in the league, put them top of the league. People are very much warm to him. Um, and I think if he, if he just continues with that, then you'll be in a, a position where you'll become an icon we remember Torres because his goals fired you up the table you know you, that, that's that's the thing you remember Torres because you remember 0809 when him and Gerrard formed the deadliest partnership you know I, hopefully now Sturridge and Suarez will, will, will be better but the deadliest partnership you know you can remember seeing on a football pitch whereas Sturridge still hasn't had that Yeah, and that's tough yeah, I, I, I've been so impressed with him since January, and he, even even in wider, the wider media, he probably hasn't even been given the acclaim that he should have. Even though it's funny because, you know, obviously everything the circus that's around Suarez coming back, you know, he was phenomenal yesterday. The headlines were still about Suarez. Yeah. I, 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 that is, I suppose it's, so it's a victim Suarez, of this. Yes, yeah, Suarez, Suarez is box office. It's it's a victim of the Sky Sports generation, I think, as well. You you, you see that these narratives are created; they've all stemmed from that. Wait, and this is the, and the, and the thing is, though, you know, you're a you're a journalist, and you know, it's difficult to write or do more than one story. Yeah. And Suarez is so often the story because of something to do with Suarez. Suarez mm-hmm. is the story, and even when Sturridge has been scoring, people have been saying. May not, may not be the main man when Suarez comes yeah. back and, and, and that might change for him. Can and, he keep it up? Yeah, and all this sort of stuff. And, and that's because Suarez is is just ludicrously entertaining as a footballer. Um, and is, you know, is, anything could happen. So Suarez is constantly the story. And I think that that's... I think that's I think that that can work in Sturridge's favour, frankly, because he can get a, get on with his business and go about his business under uh, without without having you know huge amounts of of focus on him. I just think it's a real sh- he's going to have to change his name or something. <laughs> he's going to have to get he's going to have to get something with a, with a little bit more bounce, with a bit, a bit more a bit more cadence. Davy uh, Proven could come up with something. Davy Proven, I I very rarely you know because you go the game. And I very and when I watch it, if, if I'm not going, I often watch it in a bar or something like that. And I very rarely actually hear a co-commentator. And then you hear Davy Proven, and there was this ludicrous moment. But I'm gonna. I'm, I'm we, struggling with this, Dave. I, I had a heavy night last night, and I'm trying not to swear. Well, <laughs> we we've set a precedent with this because we did mention this around this time last season about him. That, why is he getting so how, many gigs? How Davy Proven? Yeah. Why Davy Proven? Who Davy Proven? Did he, he didn't play in the Premier League. I'm convinced. No, I don't think he did. He only played. He, he played his trades just simply for Scott uh, up in. Uh, up, I think he got games for Celtic. Yeah. He played for Celtic. But so, uh, do you even use him in vision pitch before the game? Crazy. There's just it, it's unbelievable. Proven is just unbelievable. But there was this two things happened yesterday during the commentary. The first one was um, watching it on the telly. It wasn't clear if Liverpool were playing a three or a four at the first, the first ten minutes. He couldn't quite work it out because Henderson was quite advanced and Moses was on the left. Yeah. So I thought if Liverpool were playing a three, we playing a four. It would have been nice if Davy Proven could have just given us a little bit of clarification. You know, done some journalism, just described something for me. That would have been nice. The other thing was there was this point where I think uh, Martin Tyler. I, I really like as a commentator Martin Tyler asked Davy Proven a question and Davy Proven didn't say anything 
David Proke, just like he said something about, you know, do you think this Liverpool's three at the back's working? You know, do you think that the midfield and blah, blah, blah? Just asked a question, you know, to get some some analysis from his from his co-commentator. David Proke blanked him. Yeah. And then there was this first half, this crazy, well, you know, let's be honest here, throw-ins are out of control. And it was nice to see two foul throws given yeah. yesterday because they were absolutely out of control, yeah. some of those throw-ins. You might as well. You know, it's as though if the ball was behind someone's head yeah. at some point in the previous five minutes, oh, it's sound, don't worry about it. Steve Bachley would be proud of someone. Exactly, yeah, just like this, you know what I mean? It's just, I've just, I've just mimed a bad throw-in. Yeah. And it's, you know, it was great to see some foul throw, two foul throws given because there's a point where you've just got to go, enough is enough. Yeah. And Martin Tyler said, oh, I'll throw, you don't see many. And, and Davey Proven dismissed this as some sort of pernickety <laughs> thing around the rules. Well, I'm sorry, Davey, there's got to be some guidance. <laughs> Otherwise, they could just kick it. You know what I mean? Like, he acted like it was, oh, well, I don't know what you're getting, getting your knickers in a twist for. And, and Howard Webb was, you know, wrong to, to pick a footballer up on a on a embreachment of the rules. Otherwise, we can just do what we want. And I'm just thinking, Davey, Davey, how? How are you Rory doing this? After him now, mate. Well, exactly. It's just absolutely ridiculous. And foul throw. And, and, and I feel, I, I will worry that this is, throw-ins are going to be the thing that turn me into an old man. Yeah. Do you know that point when you bang on about something to an endless, like, you know, you, 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 you know what X uh, person who talks about football's hobby horses. Well, I'm having foul throws. Yeah, I'm, yeah I'll give you that. <laughs> I'm well, having foul throws. I'm going to, people, I want people to be synonymous. I want, I want to be, my only ambition now in broadcasting is to be is to be known as the mad fella who bangs on about foul throws. Yeah. Oh, it's that fella, he's always on about foul throws. Did you listen to the Anfield rap the other day? There was Akko banging on about foul throws again. That's what I want people to say. Because why can't you just do it? Just yeah. take a throw in properly. What are you rushing for? Do you know what I used to do, Maiden, as a kid? When you know we talk about when we used to play at some level in a Sunday league, and the ref would always give a foul throw. But I'm, I'm convinced I can take a proper throw in. I can do it properly. Both feet on the floor, behind the white line, ball over the head, and let go and release before it gets to parallel or past your head. Yes. Simple as that, and I did that, and and they pull me up all the time for like maybe having me heel up off the floor or something like that. I see, I see it happen all the time now. Oh I, God, I, I see Ashley Cole bombing it, Take, pinching 10, 15 yards as well. By the way, yeah, that's the worst thing. Yeah, they get to steal. Oh, you can steal so many yards yeah. off a throw in. And you know what? The one I hate on that, I hate when it's in the other half. Oh yeah, there's a line. Yeah, it demarcates the, the difference between yeah. the two. I've oh God, that, that one drives me to distraction. But the liner as well, the liner has got to be coming oh. in for some stick because the liner will. Say, you know, if they walk, if you ran too far with the ball, if they pinched a few yards, the line say, no, stop there. But he'll say, stop there, and then still give them the few yards run up from oh, there yeah. as well. It's That's ridiculous. It's out of control. Uh, Throw-ins need to be looked at. Oh, by the way, to... talking about commentary, Martin Tyler was devastated when Luis Suarez scored. Yeah, absolutely devastated. I don't think he is. I was going to say, uh, Steve Graves pointed this out so? to me. No, what, what he do I think that's. I think. I think Martin Tyler loves him. I think he loves him, and he always has to do. He's trying not to love him as much. Right. And I think he's because we always end up doing the um, doing the. And no matter what you say about him, blah blah blah, and then goes and he's an excellent footballer. I think Martin yeah. Tyler really likes him, and he's trying to keep it under so he so he so he fits in. Right. I I th that's what I think it is. But yeah, he, he does mournful voice. See, but because he, I, I was guilty of thinking that he was victim of, again the narrative of oh Sunderland on the back in this now. Well, you know he's just he's destroyed Sunderland's hopes of winning the game now. Well, Two 0 game over. Yeah. Well, I think there was I think there is an element of that, but I think it's I think it's quite difficult for. Them because, for instance, you've got at, uh, Tyler's going and still a lot of life in this in the second half, and he was right. But I think that's the idea that you know, no one wants people switching off and going, Oh, well, this is done. Mm -hmm. And so, I think that, but I think that's that just a part of, of, of having to commentate on the football. Uh, we're going to have some talk of actual football and not just throw ins just after the break. Big Al's going to come on, we're going to talk about Tans and we're going to talk about the mighty Everton. <laughs> 
everything and anything football. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. Monday night football. It's uh, I've still not made my mind up on it, which is weird. It's been going for 20 years. I'm, I'm still not a fan. The week, weekend's over. Weekend's over. Yeah. Dave Downey's not a fan. Um, Al, you should be there. Are you there, Al? I am here, and I am a fan. Are you a fan? Why are you a fan? I'm a fan because I love football any day of the week. The, 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 one, I find, the one I found hardest to come to terms with was Thursday night football because oh, yeah. when I was growing up as a kid, there was never, ever anything on a Thursday night. Absolutely nothing. So it was very strange to get accustomed to that. But Would, uh, would, you, would you back Friday night football, Al? Yeah, yeah. I was a Prenton Park man in my younger days, so Friday night football was uh, certainly on my agenda, mate. A, yeah. sta- a, a staple of your football and diet. Yes, yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd, 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 I think we're not making enough use of Friday night football. I no. think it would be nice, you know... <laughs> I, my, my, my issue with this one tonight is I think it's a bit unfair on the on the Newcastle supporters coming all the way. They've got work tomorrow and all that. Yeah, so but Friday would be better than Monday. Friday would be better 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 for them than Monday. But also, yeah. you know, if, say say it was Everton Man City. Everton Man City on a Friday night. I tell you what, that's going to set you set town up nicely. <laughs> yeah, but it pro- probably wouldn't be allowed by the police more than anything else. Oh, <laughs> we, 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 we've got, got to get the fun back. Um, Al, <laughs> have you got any team news for us yet? Uh, I've got a few whispers. Yeah, so. Uh, oh, I, I like it. I mean, we know there's going to be changes because. Osman still hasn't recovered from the injury. I'm referring back to the team. Of course, it's not the League Premier team, yeah. League game uh, when Osman started against West Ham and Jelovic started. Now, my understanding is neither of those will start this evening. I think it will be the starting 11 that actually began the second half of that game, which does maybe rather surprisingly to some see a start for Stephen Naismith, although he is getting goals. So that would mean McCarthy and Barry as essentially the two holding midfielders, Naismith, Barkley, and Mar- Morales ahead of them and Lukaku who's just itching to you know play here at Goodison Park uh, he'll be leading the attack for Everton tonight I'm fairly sure of that seems so long though, doesn't it since we signed him and he still hasn't played at Goodison yet <laughs> yeah well he was watching wasn't he uh, maybe in a strange sort of way in the game against Chelsea here but uh, the whisper is that um, he's actually on fire in training you know he's he's absolutely ripping defences to pieces in training and promising um, virtually a goal a game for the Blues so, um, wouldn't fancy going in if I was Jack Elka. <laughs> I've got to be honest. You know what I mean? It's, it, by, say, Wednesday in the week, you'd be a bit like, what, I've got to go and deal with this again? <laughs> um, he's, well, he's a big man, isn't he? He's a big, he's a big man, but he's also, and what impressed me uh, from the, the cameo that you saw in the second half there a couple of weeks ago, is he's got a real appreciation of the game mm. in a way in which, you know, very few, very few young players have. Barkley's not quite got the same appreciation himself yet, and you'd think, you know, with the types of player that they are, Barkley would be a bit further ahead on that particular curve. Well, but Lukaku so. knows where everyone is. Yeah, brings people into the game, doesn't he, Neil? In, in no time at all at West Ham, within two minutes of coming onto the park, and no disrespect to Jelovic, but he'd done more than Jelovic had done in, in the 45 minutes previously in terms of bringing people in, holding the ball up, getting players to support him, and actually having a directness towards the penalty area as well when he had the opportunity to turn and run at the West Ham defence. Yeah, Al, do you think anything from the game against Fulham the other night? Obviously, disappointing result, but mm. do you think anyone's troubled Martinez's selection? In, in, obviously the team you've come up with there but the likes of Dale Lefeu do you think it's probably a bit harsh that maybe he's been left out given his performance? No I don't uh, I think he's very good going forward I think he's mm. still got a lot to learn hasn't he in terms of tracking back defensively supporting his uh, fullback that was Seamus Coleman who we 
could see quite clearly on a number of occasions uh, because the commentary position at Fulham is fairly low down at Craven Cottage and you could see Coleman on a number of occasions just uh, having a go at him to you know give him some cover um, he, he seems to want to travel in one direction which is great you know going forward but you do have to have an understanding of the job that's required you know to assist your fullback down that right hand side of, of midfield in the final de defensive quarter of the field as well so I don't think um, I think we will see him throughout the course of the season but if you go through that side uh, from the goalkeeper Joel who's going to be the number two here anyway um, Coleman played John Stones is one for the future Distan will play tonight Oviedo's not going to replace Leighton Baines at left back is he Heitinger uh, may well be on his way from the club in January I can't see him hanging around if he's not getting football McCarthy I think will start tonight De La Feo we've mentioned Gibson still not fully uh, recovered from injury so expect him to be on the bench tonight Naismith is playing and Lukaku will play Naismith is Naismith's very very interesting I think this season for Everton mm. I, 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 I'm quite it's uh, Dave himself has said you know he's, he's mentioned the day account thing it's big goals but it's offering that balance it allows Morales to play it allows Barkley to play mm. if he's going to do if he's going to do your work for you and it means you're shoring up one flank and attacking on the other and I think that's you know I think that's quite a it's something that we underrate I think a little bit sometimes you do need in there you know I always thought that Dirk Cowell very much helped Stephen Gerrard mm. when Stephen Gerrard was playing in the, in the middle of the three in a 4-2-3-1 I thought that having Dirk on the right allowed Gerrard to relax mm. and I think Naismith's doing that for Barkley isn't he yeah maybe you don't a, like him do you Al I'm getting that sense I, no I do <laughs> I do in the, in the sense that he, he seems to have come on this season more than ever and I think that the reports that we had from his uh, performances in pre-season were very very positive indeed and I think he's one of those players that has certainly got an engine on him he can play down either flank so that in itself helps but I, I think he's also quite an experienced player in understanding the game and I think that's what probably what you're trying to say Neil as well yeah. in that he, he, he does understand other people's uh, runs towards the penalty area inside the penalty area holding the ball up I think I think Naismith is a reader of the game more than because he, he's good at arriving late into the penalty area as well so that's a that's a bonus in itself if um, he's allowed to do that job I think that arriving late into the penalty area Dave I think it's something which is the most curious of football skills <laughs> I think it's, it's an astonishing thing the players I, I mean I'm quite sincere about this I like Tim Kale yeah Tim Kale's yeah. one Lampard's one players who just simply Kevin Nolan's a great example mm. Players who just some, suddenly are in the box and are unmarked, yeah. and you know, as, as a very limited footballer myself, I'm impressed by any form of attacking movement. <laughs> but those players, Dave, you know, we, we, we really, really, it, it appears to just be something that you just can't teach. Yeah, it is because normally, if you've seen it happen, if, if a player wasn't notorious for doing it, you think that he's lucky there. Yeah, that is unbelievably lucky mm. every single time when it arrives at them. But you look, you remember Cahill, Lamp, Lampard's been the best for it for me. They always seem to arrive that fraction of a second late, and the ball's there for them to sweep it in it's incredible uh, incredible well you have a look at Naismith's goals Dave that he yeah. scored for Everton I, I know he's only scored six career goals for Everton is it now but I think every one of them you did, they are those sort of runs that I've seen him arrive late into the penalty area so that's an understanding isn't it of what's about to happen mm. I think yeah it is and it's also it's, I think it's, it's appreciating and I, I think we we talk too much about mistakes in football mm. but I think it's appreciating the, the idea that footballers on the opposition or even your 
own players mm. are likely to make mistakes that are, are a little bit like this. If no one ever made a mistake, then no one would ever score a goal. No, no one would ever concede a goal because no one will make a mistake. I think and, sometimes <coughs> fans forget that there's two sets of teams on the pitch. Yeah, don't we, 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 we really do. Well, I think, and I think that's, I, th- I think that that's that, that's always a thing that you know the opposition can impact upon what you yeah. do. And I think bad managers, like for instance, this is one of my things I dislike about Roy Hodgson as a manager is that his team does what his team does, what his team does, and will always do it forever and a day. Whereas you need to be able to have educate your players to react to situations. Hmm. And I think that's that's for instance what marks out a manager like Martinez hmm. and arguably Rogers at the minute, the, the two managers on Merseyside, both seem to want to educate their players rather than drill them. Well, an education is uh, or can be a long process, can't it? As well, it's not something that's instant. Things don't happen overnight, so there has to be that period of time where where players understand exactly what the managers want. Which may sound stupid. You think, well, these are footballers. Surely they're able to deliver instantly. You know, if you're able to play the game, many people say you should be able to play in any position. But I think when you get to this level, at the highest level, Premier League football, then um, it does take time and it does need a certain level of uh, competence in, in terms of understanding what the manager uh, expects and wants from you. Well, you, you look at Everton start, they come off the blocks really, really quickly, probably surprisingly so, given the transition. We were talking on Thursday on the Blue Room, we'd be mm. interested to get your thoughts and maybe Sharpies later when you speak to him. How does expectation figure into that when, you know, we've got the only unbeaten team left in the Premier League, you go and win tonight, it's three wins, three draws, mm. and fourth place in the Premier League. How does expectation fit into that? Well, expectation's always there from the fans, isn't it? I think, without a shadow of a doubt, you arrive at every new Premier League season with a certain level of expectation. OK, you will have the, you know, few of the fans, the doom and gloom merchants who will uh, always state that, look, we're going to finish in the bottom half of the table. My it's expectations me. are... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mr Pessimistic, <laughs> David Downey. Um, I don't think it should impact upon the players because you've got to remember, you know, many of these have, have probably been there and done it before, haven't they, with various uh, at various levels of, of their career so that's where that's where the manager plays his part doesn't he, he the manager plays his part in in just putting a, a tin hat on those sort of expectations really and making sure that they deliver what he wants and not you know maybe what the fans are, are really uh, gunning for what I th- uh, what I think is interesting about that what that one Al is just very quickly before I get you to mm-hmm. do a quick prediction it's, it's that idea of plausible hope and Martinez is very, with the last two results he's very much given Evertonians plausible hope you know I to be able to plausibly hope as a football supporter I think is a big deal and so mm. ultimately you know even if your hopes end up being dashed if you, as long as you, you know you, you feel as though there's a chance that it can happen mm. then you, you enjoy the experience more but there's fine margins as well though isn't oh, there yeah, Neil you completely. know take away Leighton Baines's two free kicks yes you know and, and we're coming away from West Ham with you know long faces having suffered a 2-1 defeat giving away a penalty late on and you know so there are fine margins and uh, I think sometimes you know people have to be a bit more level headed about these things Oh, I, I, I can't do level-headed. I'm convinced Liverpool are going to win the league. Very, very quick. We're about to wrap the show up. Prediction for tonight. Do you want to give me, give me a quick scoreline? I think Everton will win, and I think by two goals. Excellent stuff. Uh, thank you very much, Al, for taking the time. Cheers, uh, Thank you, Al. Thanks to, thanks to Davey Downey. Uh, this has been All in the Game. It's All in the Game on City Talk 105.9.